<coughs> okay, it's recording. All right, uh, we are at uh, unit last session four. Yep. God's living word does what? Says. You sure about that? Yes. Okay, first question. When have you been thrilled to meet someone? My travels. Travels? Okay, anyone in particular? Um, Who's the senator from Atlanta? Senator from Atlanta. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, I was thrilled. Uh, I got to meet Steve Green, the singer. No kidding. Wow. Okay. Anyone else? Met someone thrilled to meet someone special? Celebrity? <clears throat> Nobody else? Okay, well, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life on page 38. Someone want to read that? Ever had a brush with someone famous? A backstage pass to meet the band. A quick handshake at a political rally. A celebrity sporting at the airport. You will know if one of your friends has such an encounter because they'll tell you that's not a big deal at first. But it can be pretty annoying when someone starts dropping names <laughs> like spare change. Hmm. Things are different when we encounter Jesus, though. Didn't we do that last week? No. No. Well, this is new. Brenda. I am the no, we did session three last week. Encouraging. Page 38. I have this Page 38, yeah. Can I continue now? Did y'all do it or didn't y'all do it? No, we didn't do it. No, we didn't do it. Okay. Go ahead. Things are different when we encounter Jesus, though. That's because Jesus Christ is no mere celebrity. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. While dropping a star's name is a boastful act, talking about our encounters with Jesus is a gracious act because everyone has the same opportunity to know him and follow him. In this session, we'll look at two passages that show us why we should tell others the good news about Jesus. Okay. What's the point? The point is Jesus is the ultimate word from God who brings salvation. Jesus is the ultimate word from who? God. Not from man, not from the preacher, not from the pastor, not from the evangelist. From who? God. God that brings salvation. Sometimes people get it kind of mixed up. You know, we have people after church services talking about uh, the, the, the boy, my preacher did a good, good word today. No mention of God using the preacher to bring that word. Okay, so it's important that we understand that the ultimate word comes from God who brings salvation and the, the person who brings it is just the channel or the instrument through which God uses to communicate that. A lot of people are mixed up in our world today because of that very point. Okay, let's look at the, <coughs> the first passage is just uh, one line basically. <coughs> Uh, Psalm 119, verse 41 on page 39. Let your faithful love come to me, your salvation, as you promised. Okay, now pay close attention to the word Lord there. See that word Lord? Yes. 
Interesting. Okay, the psalmist made a special request to the Lord. Notice it's all in capitals, meaning it's the Hebrew, Yahweh. This is a time uh, for God is, this time for God is a translation of God's personal name first revealed to Moses. Remember the burning bush? Yes. That's where that name was first introduced to Moses. Exodus chapter 3. And it's frequently rendered, I am who I am. Remember he told Moses that, Moses, what, what should I tell the people who sent me? He says, tell them I am who I am sent you. And the term is based on the Hebrew verb to be. And emphasizes God's three, it emphasizes three things about God. It emphasizes God's faithfulness. It emphasizes God's consistency. God is always faithful. He is always consistent. Ever met somebody who is not consistent? Kind of frustrating, eh? You expect one thing and then something else happens. Okay? But that's not like God. God is always consistent. He is faithful. And he is also unchanging in his nature. What does the Bible say about God? God says, I am God and I change not. Right, he is unchangeable. Whereas in the English translations of the Bible, the title Lord, that's Lord with the small letters in between, refers to a master or a boss. God's personal name is rendered in all capitals. But he is both Lord and Lord. He's another word, he's both master and Lord in capital, in, 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 on all capitals. Alright, so God is to be praised and worshipped for all that he is. God and Lord. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's look at the paragraphs now beneath that verse. Someone read that, please. The term faithful love used in this verse is the covenant love of God. It's his loyal love, a love that is unconditional, unchanging, and unending. The psalmist knew he couldn't force this love to come to his way. He could only pray for such a blessing. The psalmist's next phrase revealed why he needed God's love in the first place, salvation. While the word salvation has a specific meaning in the New Testament, the Old Testament writers use it more broadly to speak of rescue from trouble or deliverance from distress. Here, the psalmist responded to his difficult circumstances by praying that God, out of his loyal love, would rescue and deliver him from his burdensome situation. The psalmist wasn't necessarily looking for a miracle or a supernatural experience. He simply asked God to help according to the faithful promise he had already given. What God promises, whatever he says, will happen. Now that we have the, now that we have the benefit of the New Testament, we see that God's promise about salvation throughout the scriptures ultimately about Jesus Christ. Specifically, the Word of God promises that sinners can be saved from eternal punishment through faith in Christ. As John wrote, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16. This is what the Word of God is all about. It's important that we understand this truth. All the Bible points to this message of salvation in Jesus. See Luke 24 and 27. In fact, 
The Bible is all about the Lord Jesus Christ, heaven's wonder, hell's worry, and humanity's way out from sin and death into the presence of God. Okay, now notice that uh, second paragraph there. The psalmist's next phrase revealed why he needed God's love in the first place, salvation. And that's the message that we need to communicate to the world. This is why you need God's love, salvation. Doesn't the world need salvation? Yes. Doesn't people need salvation? Yes. We need to see love demonstrated uh, in so many ways. While the word salvation has a specific meaning in the New Testament, the Old Testament writers used it more broadly to speak of rescue from trouble or deliverance from distress. Here the psalmist responded to his difficult circumstances by praying that God, out of his what? His loyal love. Do you know anybody whose love is more loyal than God's? Out of his loyal love would rescue and deliver him from his burdensome situation. The psalmist wasn't necessarily looking for a miracle or a supernatural experience. He simply asked God to help according to the faithful promises he has already given. And you know that's all God wants us to do? Trust him for the promises that he has already made. Have you ever noticed when you read the scriptures how the prophets always repeated things that God said? They would always say, Lord, you said, or thou hast said. And what, they, what, what were they doing? They were keeping God accountable to his word. And God wants us to do the same thing today, you know. God want, and that's why it's important, it's, it's helpful to quote scripture to God in prayer. Because you're, you're reminding God of what he's already said he would do. And God is not like man. He doesn't make promises and breaks them. Okay, if you said, Lord, you said. You can guarantee that God is going to come through. Okay, because he's placed his word above his name. God's word means a whole lot to him. You know, I met a fellow one time and he was talking about how his, his name means more to him than anything else. He's in, a, in the air conditioning business. And he says, my name means more to me than anything, than making money anything. Okay, God's name is worthy to be counted on, right? Yes. Okay, let's look then at the next paragraph. The next, what's the question? Let's look at the question. What comes to mind? What comes to mind when you hear the word salvation? Freedom. Freedom? What else? Saving. Saving you. Saving you? Okay. What else? Gift. Gift? Oh, God's gift. Okay. What else? Jesus. It's only through him. Jesus, because salvation can only come through him. Okay, Jesus, because salvation can only come through him. Okay, so those are some, I'm sure there are some whole lot of other things that come to mind when we hear that word salvation. Uh, in the, from a worldly perspective, it means being rescued from some dilemma, being delivered from some circumstances. The biblical sense, it means one word, one name, Jesus. Name above all names. Okay, let's look then at the next pa passage uh, on page 40, uh, verses 30 to 33 of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, 30 to 33. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Okay, continue to read the paragraphs beneath that. Hundreds of years after the psalmist wrote Psalm 119, God changed the life of a young woman. The virgin would give birth to a son, the savior of the world. In Luke 1, the angel Gabriel announced to Mary, to Ma to Mary God's plan and her role in it. The angel's statement made it clear that Mary's son would be divine, the son of the living God. But it's also significant that Gabriel made this statement about the child Mary would bear. In short, Jesus became one of us. He was divine, yet he was born and lived and died as a human being. Hebrews 4.15 assures us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are yet without sin. Jesus was tempted in every respect, just as we are. Therefore, he can sympathize with our weakness. He knows how we feel when we bear the weight of life's tests, trials, and temptations. <clears throat> Yet he never sinned. Jesus experienced every aspect of our human nature, except our sin nature. If Jesus had committed any sin, he would not be qualified to be our savior. Yet you cannot be a sinner and savior at the same time. Jesus is the only true savior because he lived the perfect life we should have lived before God. As Paul wrote, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Okay, now go to 42. That continues on page 42. The eternal Son of God became human to be our representative before God. There is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Because of Jesus' unique status, salvation is found in no one else. See Acts 4.12. Jesus himself declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14.6. God promised salvation and he brought it to us when he came to earth as a human baby born to a virgin. Okay, now notice the second and third paragraphs on page 40. The angel's statement made it clear that Mary's son would be what? Divine. Divine. He would not just be an ordinary human being. He would be divine from God, the son of the living God. But it's also significant that Gabriel made this statement about a child Mary would bear. Interesting, isn't it? And then in short, 
Jesus became one of us. Just like us, he was divine, he was born and lived and died as a human being. One difference. What's the difference? Sinless. Hmm? Sinless. 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 He did not have a sin nature like we inherited from our grandparents. <laughs> right? That's the only difference. And that's why he qualified to be able to stand before God as a, as a sacrifice in our place and in our stead. Don't you feel special? Yes. Question number three. Why is it important that Jesus is fully human? Why do you think it's important that Jesus is fully human? He can identify with our sufferings. He can identify with your sufferings. Does it matter what you said? That's the same thing. Same thing you said. You know, when, whenever people are going through a trial or difficulties, what is the most common phrase people use? I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. Child, I know what you're going through. You can only say that if you've been through it, right? And that's what Jesus could say to us. Whenever we go through any kind of suffering, pain, or sickness, or whatever, Jesus could say that I know what you're going through because I've been there. He experienced pain more than any of us could ever imagine. Oh, yeah. You can't imagine the pain that Jesus experienced. Mm -hmm. Brother Cliff was telling, telling me about the pain that he was going through. He said, boy, I don't want my worst enemy to go through this. <laughs> okay, because the pain is so excruciating, so unbearable. Mm -hmm. But you know, God is not going to allow us to go through anything that he, we can't handle. That's right. Because he knows that whatever we go through has been father filtered. Mm -hmm. Because he knew what his son went through. And so Jesus can say, I know what you're going through because I've been there. All right? Now, sometimes people go through stuff and they can identify with you. Yeah. That's true. You know? They can go through, they can, they can say that that's true, but a lot of times people say that and it's not really truthful on their part because they really don't know what, they, what, what, you, go, what you go through because they've never been through it. That's true. Okay, so it's important that uh, Jesus became fully human so that he can identify with those he came to rescue, right? Yeah. Okay, Gabriel. Gabriel told Mary three additional facts about Jesus. First, she said he would be great. Isn't he great? Yes. Second, he said that he would be called the Son of the Most High. In the Bible, the word son sometimes referred to a father's male child. Since Jesus has always existed and is the one, the same essence with both God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Spirit are Trinity, this does not appear to be the meaning in verse 32. At other times, Son referred to one like the Father. In the context here, many scholars conclude that this is the meaning of verse 32. One like the Father. The New Testament repeatedly speaks of Jesus as the exact image of God. We see that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and also in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Certainly that's a much stronger uh, meaning for Jesus merely being one like God. 
Jesus is one with both God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. One in essence or nature, but three persons. The words most high are a common way to refer to God the Father in the Old Testament to distinguish God the Father from the lesser false gods. You know, in the Old Testament, everybody had a God, right? Everybody had their own God. They made them. You know, in our precept study, we had a, a lengthy discussion on how God mocked the, the people of that day who made their gods. They took a tree and they chopped it down, they sculptured it into a god, and then they bowed down and worshipped it. You know, how ridiculous could that be? But in that day, everybody had a god, false gods. And then the third thing that um, the angel mentioned, uh, that the, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Matthew's gospel presents Jesus' genealogy through the earthly adoptive father, Joseph, tracing Jesus' genealogy back to both David and Abraham. And we see that in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, the first 17 verses of Matthew tell us about God, Jesus' genealogy. God had promised King David that he would establish David's house, the kingdom, and throne forever, according to 2 Samuel. Although Luke only mentioned Jesus as the king of Israel through his father David, we know from other passages in the New Testament that Jesus is the king of all the earth, right? Yes. You see that in Revelation 15 and also in Revelation 19. Jesus is the promised, what? Messiah and king, right? That's who God promised. And we have him, don't we? Yes. Okay, we have an activity on page 41. Um, did anybody do that? Yes. Okay. What? We have a lot more people doing homework, right? I said, we did this yesterday last week. Because I did my own way by marking the book at all. Okay. Well, that's why you got mixed up. All right. You did a good job. You, did, you remember right. to do your homework. That's right. Okay. It's called being human. <laughs> Struggling through adversity is part of what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. Using the list below, draw a rectangle mm -hmm. around specific challenges you have overcome throughout your lifetime, your whole life. Mm -hmm. Draw a circle mm -hmm. around the challenges you are currently working to overcome. Whatever you're trying to work, overcome now, put a circle around it. What you've overcome before, put a rectangle. You got it? Yeah, less rectangles and more circles. So you get more. <laughs> I my Okay, we got medical issues. <laughs> tight finances. I know, I try to get I try to get a bug that tight Addictions. Relational stress, depression, loneliness. Parenting stress, mm -hmm. sibling rivalry, mm -hmm. unemployment, mm -hmm. abuse, mm -hmm. emotional stress, yeah. anger management, boredom, mm -hmm. debt, mm -hmm. and anything else that you can fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. How many people have more rectangles than circles? Okay? So a lot of things God has already done uh, over the years that you have... Uh, that you've been challenged with throughout your lifetime. Anybody else? 
Just one person or more rectangle. How many people? So everybody has a more circles, right? More circles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess that, that speaks to all of us. Okay, how does Jesus' humanity help you approach and overcome these challenges? Knowing that our Lord and Savior overcame the world, so that gives us hope that we can overcome. Okay. Knowing that he can identify with us as a human being helps us to be able to meet those challenges, doesn't it? Yes. Okay. All right, let's look then at the... Did we have a question? No, that's the only question. Right? To the water man, we get the water man with an open Bible and a pad and pencil is sure to find out what, what, what is wrong with him. Very quickly. Oh, A.W. Tozer. Yes, sir. An honest man with an open Bible and a pad and pencil is sure to find out what is wrong with him very quickly. Right. Okay. The Bible tells him what's wrong with him. Yeah. He writes down what the Bible says. He takes notes. Okay. The next passage is on page 42. Someone read that. Mary asked the angel, How can this be? Since I have not been in place with a man. The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay, will be called the Son of God of God. So Mary asks for an explanation as to how Gabriel's words to her could come to pass. Yeah. Um, Mary said, I don't understand. This is kind of strange. You know, can you explain to me what's going on? Uh, so she asks, how can this be since I have not been intimate with a man? The demonstrative pronoun this referred to Gabriel's pronouncement in verses 30 to 33. After all, Gabriel's announcement was amazing news that was difficult to understand <coughs> for any person to understand, much less Mary. Many scholars have commented that Mary's words don't express doubt, but reflect a young woman overwhelmed by the sheer size <laughs> of Gabriel's announcement. In other words, she was in doubting what the angel was saying. This is, this is humongous. This is huge. Well, how does Trump say it? Huge! <laughs> he likes to use that word, eh? Huge! Attempting to process what she has heard, Mary was inquiring about the manner in which everything that had been promised could come to pass. And this is confirmed by Mary's final words of obedience. Not doubt, but final words of obedience expressed in verse 38. Since the angel explained it, she said, oh, okay, now I understand. Okay, I get it. Let's look at the, the paragraph beneath uh, the verse. When the angel Gabriel announced to Mary that she would have a child, she was understandably confused. She was a virgin after all. How can it be? Says her, I have not been in with a man. Mary didn't doubt the truth of what God had promised, but she couldn't fathom how such a thing could happen. 
The angel explained the courtroom of the mystery in verse 35. God would accomplish his, his will through his power. The birth of Mary's child clearly would not be a normal birth. She would conceive the child by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Most High. The child therefore would be called the Son of God because he would be the incarnation of the living God. In short, Jesus is God in the flesh. This unmistakably came to identity. To deity. To deity. But makes no middle ground. Jesus is either a liar or intentionally deceived people or a lunatic who sincerely but mistakenly believed he was God. Or else he is exactly who he claims to be, Lord of all. This is the one we proclaim, Jesus, who is fully man and fully God. The one who went to sleep in the back of the boat on the Sea of Galilee was the one who fired the raging stone. The one who went to the wedding feast as an invited guest was the one who turned water into wine. The one who wept at the tomb of Lazarus, his friend, was the one who raised him from the dead. Jesus infinitely more than just a sweet little baby in a manger whom we celebrate, whom we celebrate at Christmas. That fully human child was also fully God. And he grew to be a man who brought the ultimate salvation promise to the Old Testament. This salvation isn't a work of human achievement. It's a work of divine accomplishment and a gift to us from God. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this not from yourself. It is the gift of it is God's gift. <clears throat> Look back to the prayer offered in Psalm 119, verse 1. Let your faithful love come to me, Lord. Your salvation as you promise. Isn't it great to see that God's faithful love has come to us? in the birth of a child. What a blessing to know that Jesus has given us God's promised salvation. Amen. Amen. God has given us God's promise of salvation. Question number four. Why is it important that Jesus is fully divine? Because he's the son of the living God. Because it shows he's the son of? The living God. The living God. Anybody else? Well, question number five. Time is gone here on us. How have you come to understand who Jesus is? Because of his unconditional love. Okay, his unconditional love. True to the word. And your challenge. Through the Holy Spirit and conviction. Through the Holy Spirit and conviction, okay. Of the truth. Of the truth, the spirit bear witness of who he is. Okay. And like some of these, the challenge that you face, you can call on him and he's there. So you know that he's real and he understands. He is what he says he is because you've been there before in your life's experiences and you know that, you know, when you called upon him, he was there and he heard you and 
helps you and everything. Okay. Anyone else? The giving God. For the giving God. Okay. Again, the point. Jesus is the ultimate word who does what? Salvation. Who brings salvation. Okay, let's look at what we need to do this week to apply this lesson. Uh, page 44. Okay, how will you allow Jesus to impact your life this week? Consider the following suggestions. Accept the gift. That's number one. Jesus came to earth to give you life. Believe that truth and trust your life in his hands. To know more about how to become a Christian, read the inside cover from this book and talk to your Bible study leader. Okay? Live the gift. A life in Christ is a changed life. Pray daily that Jesus would make you more and more like him. Identify one step you can take to more fully obey his word. Just one. Okay? And then share the gift. Many people are aware of the basic story of Jesus' birth. Tell them the significance of that event. God came to earth as a man to save us. Lead them to embrace the gift of salvation by faith in Christ. And then finally, you don't need any kind of special access or backstage pass to meet someone famous. You can have a one-on-one -on -one connection with Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Take advantage of that opportunity. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we have our challenge, our walking papers, our walking challenge for the week. Okay, accept, live, share the gift.